Hello, welcome to Hat Trick. This is our best of 2023 special episode. It's the third year in a row that we have compiled three of our favorite topics from across the entire catalog of the year to build you a compilation episode um, where we've got, you know, uh, a couple topics, each of us picking one that we felt really encapsulated what the year was about or what we felt was really great about the show this year. Um, so we've each we will each introduce our own episodes. You'll hear from Braden and Elliot as well uh, as they set it up. We hope you had a great year. We are very, very grateful for your listenership. We hope that you enjoy this little special New Year's Eve treat. Happy New Year. All right, here he is with topic one. Braden, take it away. All right, the first topic is uh, right off of the episode, Two Optimists and the Grump, and that is exactly what you hear here in the first uh, first topic. Us all talking about the Oilers, often we have very similar things to say, and in this episode, uh, there was an array of uh, options in which the, direct, um, the Oilers could go with how their season started. Uh, um, I guess we'll pick up where most people would expect us to pick up, which is with the Edmonton Oilers, not particularly a pleasant start to the season. If you're an Oilers fan, uh, lots of hype, lots of expectation. And so far, very little to show for it. A terrible two nine and one record and uh, a hockey team that just looks an absolute shambles right now. can't seem to just like, just cannot seem to get a full 60 minutes to go for them. Uh, they came out um, a night ago. We we're recording this Tuesday. So yesterday they came out here in, in Vancouver and, and had one of the most puck possession dominant periods I have seen in the NHL in a very long time for at least the first 15 minutes of that hockey game. Absolutely took it to the uh, Canucks in their offensive zone, high scoring chances, lots of quality shots on goal, but they come away from it with one goal and by the end of the same period, we are down 3-1. And that, if that doesn't sum up how it's gone so far, I don't know what it is. No matter how hard they work right now, no matter what they do right, no matter how quickly they start, all of those things that you look for in a team that's trying to dig themselves out of a funk, they just cannot seem to get that egg to crack for them. They can't get it to come together. It's simple, frustrating, little mistakes. I believe Connor McDavid said it the other night, uh, after the loss to Dallas, you know, it's death by a thousand cuts for you, Elliot, watching this team, obviously I'm, I'm jumping. I'm, I'm sort of bearing the lead here a little bit. in the fact that Jack Campbell was obviously put on waivers with the purpose of, uh, of, of being reassigned to Bakersfield today. Uh, we can talk about that in a second, but for you watching these games early through the frustration, what are you seeing? And do you think this is the, this is something that is structurally flawed or something right now that does have an, like there's still hope for this to somehow get corrected. Uh, it's a good question. I'm seeing a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. Uh, that would be the first thing I'd say. I mean, I, I think what we've seen is when the Oilers, the Oilers don't bend, they just straight up break. Uh, and that's what you've seen in every one of those games, even describing that first period as you did against Vancouver, like it was dominant controlling. They scored a goal. They even got a timely save. Uh, and then they let one in and then they let another one in and they let another one in. Uh, and it just seems like 
this is a team that cannot handle difficult situations at this point. And that's, I, I think a lot of this has to do with the hype that was going into this season and the expectations that they, we all had and they had of themselves. And that has not come to fruition. Uh, starting this season, eight nothing is probably a big piece of that as well, too. And uh, so, you know, I don't know if I knew what the what the whether it was structural or if it was some other thing. Um, I'm making a lot of money as the coach of the Edmonton Oilers right now. Uh, I don't know what it is. And I don't think anyone knows what it is. But what I see is a team that lacks a lot of confidence. So, Braden, I'll ask you this: When you look at the move today, where we see Ken Holland moving Jack Campbell to waivers. Down to AHL, we're going to assume that Calvin Picard is on a return contract the other way tomorrow once uh, Campbell clears waivers. So the first sort of move he's made this season towards trying to shake up that locker room or inject some kind of, I don't know, urgency or whatever you want to call it. You know, it isn't a trade necessarily, but it is a big roster move, a very expensive contract on the move uh, for a player that we have seen struggle since he got here. Do you think this is going to be enough for the Oilers to be able to sort of come together and start the turnaround? Or is this just going to be step one and what's going to be a very painful couple weeks here as the Oilers try to figure out exactly how to fix this? Yeah, um, you're right. <laughs> you're right in both of those things. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it will for sure affect some sort of change in in the group moving forward that's a big contract and somebody who has a lot of responsibility on their hands to stop pucks and and it is not one person's fault this this whole thing going the way that it's going but there are there is accountability to be had and i think jack campbell carries a lot of that and so one i think that will but but the return contract coming like this isn't something to be excited about necessarily this is just something hopefully to just spark some sort of inspiration in that group to say do what Elliot's been saying like where is the confidence I'm, I'm really tired when this team gets down and out just to see them start whacking their sticks instead of like actually throwing physicality around Darnell Nurse if we're going to talk about Jack Campbell Darnell Nurse is being paid nine and a half gross million dollars a year to body to be the number one physical defender on the Edmonton Oilers and to see someone who's sort of on the other end of their successful career in Ryan O'Reilly scored two goals, the exact same way down low with Darnell nurse, just kind of slouching on him, not being able to push this guy out. It's, it's pathetic. It's, it's, it's frustrating. And the accountability really has to, you know, it sits on these guys who are, who, who are there to, to compete to, to the nth degree. Okay, so but let's talk about accountability for a second. So you're right. You can point your fingers at a couple of different people, obviously. And certainly, you know, with the contract hanging around his neck, Darnell Nurse is definitely on the same level as Jack Campbell in terms of not earning what he is being paid. But there is a player out there right now for whom accountability seems to have been lacking recently. And I'm like no more obviously than the egregious mistake. And again, it's a pattern for Evan Bouchard, where we are watching a player who is trying too hard to play the offensive part of his game, prioritize that over the defensive part of his game. When he has a D in front of his 
name on the roster. He plays defense. That has to be priority number one. And the challenge here, and this is, I guess, the question is, is there not also some responsibility here for Jay Woodcroft and for this (laughs) management team to recognize that you have put your team in a position where your coach cannot or is choosing not to hold (laughs) players accountable. If the only carrot and stick part of this is ice time, Bouchard doesn't miss a shift. Not a single shift. And I don't mean you bench him for the rest of the game or you take him out of the roster or you put him on waivers. I'm not saying that because you don't have the bodies right now. You don't well, have the And you don't have the a guy who's going to do, do the, to but, the same kind of accountability, though. Like, you're talking about the defense and the way that they have a D in front of them. Where are the, where are the goals? How are we going to win anything? Well, I'm not? sorry, Braden, but if you your expectation... David, no, but if the, if the argument, <laughs> Braden, is that Jay Woodcroft can't bench Bouchard because he's too important offensively, then you have a fundamental flaw in how your team is built. This is a team that has Connor McDavid, who has not showed up to the season so far. Leon Dreisaitl, who is underperforming. Hyman, who is underperforming. Evander Kane, who we have seen maybe the only one of those four I'm just listing, given us any kind of energy and, and, and life. And mostly it was in the outdoor game. We've got Warren Fogle, who I would argue is the hardest working forward we have had. If that is five issue. players deep to get there, Evan Bouchard should be sitting on the bench for at least two or three shifts after that mistake because that is absolutely and utterly unacceptable in the NHL Dude, for Vincent any Zernay defenseman to be doing on that. His own goal. Like, uh, well, but at least his stick is no, in the line, right. Braden, because he's playing the, defense. So this I don't is blame DeHarnay for that. This is the issue is that that all you're arguing about is who to point the finger that the problem is with that Jordan is that if you bench everyone that's underperforming, you're playing a two line. I'm not saying who's underperforming, but just let me finish. Let me finish. You've had lots to say. If you bench everyone that's underperforming, you're literally going to put two people out on the ice. It's uh, Fogel, as you said, and Sam Gagne, because those are the only people that are actually showing up in any significant capacity consistently for this team right now. And so it's top to bottom, a complete and utter mess. And so, yeah, I do agree that accountability is the right way to go. And you've got to find ways to, you know, motivate players. And ice time is the number one way to do it. But I just like, I don't know where you start. Like, it's that bad. It's yeah. well, I start yeah. there. No, yeah. but that is where I start. That's where I would start. I would not I'm, not, I'm not saying it's about benching every player for the purpose of accountability. It's based on those specific moments. They have to have repercussions. We have to have a coach who is able to actually identify so, in the moment okay, when a mistake is made. And we've seen this before from him for lesser players. DeHarnay did see the bench a lot during the playoffs when he made mistakes. We have seen him bench players like Clem Costin last season. We have seen him, but it's never his star players. And I do think there is a yeah. flaw there. Evan Bouchard yeah. Yeah. should not have seen the ice again until the second period after that mistake, because it is not the first but offense. Dude, it is not the second offense. On there and all of the other Fine, but on none of team. those players, Braden, none of those players pinched to the point of giving up a three-on-one in that out. game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's countless, there's countless, there's countless examples of in that game, in the 11 games previous where they, should, they but in those 11 games, yeah, in those 11 that, games, he's not doing, I don't think he's doing enough that, to do I that. I just don't think, I, I don't think you're wrong, uh, but I don't think moving a goalie to the minors and I don't think benching people because they play poorly is the solution here. I, I, I don't like, okay. So, so that's fair. Confidence. So is can fair. we talk about the coach? Can we talk about the coach? Sure. Go ahead. I'm not sure I'm fully on board with the idea of Woody being the thing that just, but if you've lost a leadership, if you've lost your room in terms of who are we listening to, how are we moving through? You know, Jay, Jay Woodcroft was probably one of the best things that happened to this group when he came on board. 
Yeah, until until the when, beginning of the season where he implemented a, a new defensive structure and it fell apart. So, right, but who's actually manu- like how who's manufacturing that defensive structure? Why is an assistant coach who's not responsible for the defense having their you know like <laughs> they account head coaches throughout the entire organization? It's a head coach's league. They implement their system. It's their system. He took full responsibility for the fact that this ridiculous zone he tried to run didn't work. Okay, but I want to go back to what Elliot just said, which is about, so how do you find solutions? That's fair. Let's try to find some solutions here before we're done here. I'll ask you this very simply, Elliot. You say it's not just, it's not as simple as a goalie goes down or you fire a coach or whatever. So what do the Oilers need right now? And how could they potentially go and get that? To figure it out. Because you can't just tell me now it's like, oh, they got to grind it out like all these other pundits. Bullshit. I'm sorry. They've tried to grind it out. It isn't working. You need something here to shake this up or you need some personnel changes. That's the reality of it. So right. what With would what, you do? What cap? Elliot, what would you do? Uh, so I think it's an interesting question. I mean, I think scoring 10 goals against the lowly San Jose Sharks would be great. That's what's going to, we hope, happens on Thursday. But if you're talking about what's the personnel move, What's the thing they can do? There's not a lot of options right now, Jordan. Part of the issue and part of the reason why people keep saying tough it out or, you know, use ice time as a, as a, as the, the, the stick and, and or carrot and stick for this team is that they are so far up against the salary cap. They haven't saved enough money and players not playing and enough salary to actually make a move. If there was no salary cap and there was there, they could make any kind of move right now. I would say that you'd have to, you know, I would be looking at another top four defenseman. I mean, I think that that's, or a goalie. I mean, if you could do anything, you'd get a goalie. But that's kind of obvious and kind of, I think, too simplistic. Uh, if if you could, if you put the goalie question aside, then I think you need another top four defense, a defenseman, because I'm not sure what they're running in their top four right now is, is, is good enough from an NHL caliber. But I know the obvious choice is goalie. Braden, who would you, what would you do? Yeah, I think I. Well, what would I do? What did I say a week or two ago? I, they're writing scripts. This is all part of this journey this year. And if you don't rem- remember, like two years ago, we had a very, very slow winter with loss after loss after loss. And we yeah, we fired our Western coach. We made it to the Western Conference Finals. Oh, we had to fire our coach I to think, do it. I think we have a ridiculous cap situation. Um, so players have to go you out know, to like, come in. Well, yeah, the injection of a Clem Costin last last year, right, right to start, was was really satisfying. So if there was a way to flip some sort of prospect, uh, you know, for somebody who can actually come out and be a you guys are. I'm sorry, I'm, I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. You guys are looking at a hockey team that can barely make it out of the first five minutes of a hockey game without so being completely for- and utterly devastated elliot makes the joke they might score 10 goals on san jose yeah or they could be the first team that the worst team in the history of the nhl beats i'm sorry the edmonton oilers right now are broken by claiming their goaltender what what's that what's the san jose sharks claim so let me fix it i will tell you how you fix it and you're not gonna like it you start moving pieces out of there Okay, so that's what pieces... I just said, Jordan. You just said uh, we're not going to. No, do that. you didn't. You I'm went around it. Oh, you got to move a small prospect here. You got to move a piece there. I Evan did. Bouchard is the first player I trade, and I trade him for UC Soros. That's the first move that's I do. Crazy. Or that's I crazy. go and I make a deal where I get 
Campbell's cap moved to a team that knows they're not going to win. Maybe, I don't know, the the Anaheim Ducks right be, now who no. have a veteran goalie who you could be moving in. Or I go and I move a smaller piece to start. With I go and money, get George, someone like Jake Allen because I'm moving either CeCe, I'm moving Evan Bouchard, or I'm dumping Darnell Nurse to a team that can just eat that cap. I'm moving Dude, pieces I'd love out. to dump Darnell Nurse. Bring in Chris Tanev from the Calgary Flames or bring in Zadorov. So you've got some actual size. You bring up Kim Clauston. You know who we didn't have? We didn't have anything happening on the ice last night against the Canucks. Any kind of grit or pushback. There was not a single player out there other than Vinny DeHarnay, who I looked at and said, yeah, I could see that guy actually sticking up for his teammate. You had you had Connor McDavid literally have his arm wrapped behind his back and shoved to the ice by a defenseman. And who's the guy who jumps in on to, to support him? Little, little McLeod. No, it's McLeod who jumps in there. McLeod, there's no way is taking on Joshua or anybody else in this league. There are pieces that you could move if you actually had the guts to do it. And if I'm Ken Holland right now, this is not just my career because I probably lose my job if this doesn't work out. So it's not the old like, well, I can't really be worried about win now. It's win now or die for Ken Holland, frankly. It is, Jordan. It is. But what are you talking about guts? I don't think it's about the fact he doesn't have guts. How do you how do you convince another team to take Bouchard right now? Whether you're talking about him the way you are. Well, the teams that wanted I, I, I Bouchard, take him. The, the teams just, there are teams out there that want a guy like Evan Bouchard to build with into the future, not him. competitive teams. I still want him on my team, absolutely. That's All I'll say is the, the, the deal I regret moving right now. When you look at it right now, if you could have one do over from last year, Evan Bouchard is the piece you move back home and you keep Tyson Berry because he played defense. At least he knew how to play defense. I don't know. I mean, I think Evan, yeah, I see, like, I, I think if you want to make a splashy move, Bouchard is probably the obvious one. I mean, that really put, I think they're already shorthanded on defense and you're sure, getting a weak defense. You started the so. year with Broberg. And so I think that that would be something that I would have considered. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I I just, what, I, what I'd say is, like, I, I, I still think it's too early, guys. It's 11 games. I know it's been brutal, but it's 11 games. If you start to think about the series and stretches of like eight, 10 game stints, they've just started their second 10 game stint. Let's see how the end of the, I'd be more willing to entertain this conversation and major structural changes after the second 10. And if we were still in this situation, arguably you could say, well, that's American Thanksgiving and they'll be out. And that might be the case. But I still think I'd want to give it at least nine more games, at least to the end of this road trip, uh, which is two more games before I'm making any structural changes. It's such a game of bounces. It's such a game of inches. It's such a game of luck in a lot of ways. And I think that we haven't been in a position. <laughs> like, like, look at two of those games. The more, What was the last two games? Like, we dominated. We really did dominate the game, but did not come out with a win. Two of the games that we won, and then four of them, they just did not show up at all. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they certainly did not. I mean, I think it's you're right, Elliot. It's, it's still early, but we're talking about a team that's going to have to lose. Like they're getting to the point where the math just starts getting really, really difficult. Yeah. When you look at the teams and the records that were needed to get even into the playoffs last year, we're talking about teams that had to be upwards of ten games over five hundred to be safe, and we're talking about a team where if their threshold is let's say 41, 42 wins right now, then they're going to have to go on a streak here where they've got multiple months where they're losing less than two, two games a month. And they are going to end up in a situation where like 
12 wins from now and you're almost all the way to the point where they are at the loss total they had from last year. Like it's, you're really, really flirting as time continues to tick. And the bigger piece is I don't see the signs right now of this turning. That's more stressful to me. Braden, you're right. They played okay for parts of hockey games, but I have yet to see the Edmonton Oilers, even in the Heritage Classic, which I would argue was their best game. Even in that game, I have yet to see them play a full solid 60 minutes where they looked like they were always on the same page moving forward. Hasn't happened yet. And that's scary when you're already almost a quarter of the way through the season. Let's leave it there. Hey, podcast listeners, my name is Larise Campbell, and along with my co-host, former Olympic bobsledder, Alicia Olson, I am so excited to introduce you to the Mother Pucker podcast, and if you love the Oilers like we do, you are going to love our show. It's just two gals who aren't afraid to drop the gloves and throw some hot takes about the boys in blue and orange. Whether you're a massive hockey fan like us, or just looking for some new voices talking about the Oilers' blue line, or lack thereof, we promise the show is for you. So subscribe now and tell your friends. It's time for the Mother Pucker Podcast. Uh, welcome to Topic 2. The topic I've picked this week is a segment way back from September. It's called Hard Conversations. And it's a conversation around Hockey Canada and what's to come from whatever they're doing. It's why I enjoy doing this work. It's why I enjoy working with these two people and pushing boundaries and exploring difficult things. A lot of times we're having a lot of fun on here, but our role is to also drive conversation. And there are problems in hockey and they start at the top. And this topic is all about that. Thanks for listening. Let's talk hockey for a second. Now, not the hockey that I'm sure anyone here is really hoping we're going to get to. Uh, We will get there soon. Yes, Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers have come back early. Yes, they are on the ice. Yes, there's a lot of hope and optimism in that city as well about what that could mean. I think they're putting the rest of the NHL on notice. They are definitely going to be the hardest working group uh, this season. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to go down the QE2 to Calgary. Calgary played host this weekend to a very important summit hosted by Hockey Canada. Uh, that included delegates from across the CHL, across uh, minor hockey uh, throughout the Hockey Canada organization, but also from um, the AHL, the NHL, the IIHF, and other hockey-related organizations across the North America and, and in fact, the globe um, to come together and have a conversation uh, around toxic masculinity, around some of the rape culture and issues that have clearly become the most pressing issue for Hockey Canada in recent years. We've talked a lot about it on this show. Um, the summit was called the Beyond the Board Summit. It was designed to be an open conversation uh, with several different speakers from different perspectives to try to open up some difficult conversations. Catherine Henderson, who is now the new CEO of Hockey Canada, um, basically called this summit together with the hope of culture change, both for the organization and indeed the sport at large. Um, She felt it was really an important piece to examine toxic masculinity in elite men's hockey as a root cause of racism, sexism, homophobia, and discrimination in the sport. Um, She said on Saturday, and I quote, it was a very eye-opening to see how many people were willing to put their mistakes on the table to be vulnerable about things that maybe they're not proud of in the past, end quote. So hopefully, and uh, you know, we, we, 
I've said this many times, we're always hopeful for change to happen. But for change to happen, there have to be willing uh, participants and there have to be organizations that are willing to do exactly what she's suggesting is happening here, which is to look themselves in the mirror and really truly deal with the really dark and ugly parts of uh, these issues, because if it's all about protecting the, the shield and protecting the brand and protecting all of those things, no change is ever going to actually happen. So I'll ask you this, Elliot, how and I've asked you this before, I believe, on this show. How optimistic are you that Hockey Canada, through this event and through the work that they're clearly attempting to do, um, is capable of of significant and meaningful change? Um, I, I do remember you asking this question. I don't remember where I, I, I stood before. Very likely was very low. Um, I don't know that this event does all that much to uh, change my perspective on that. Um, but it is certainly a step, and I'll say a small step in the right direction. Uh, so, like three out of ten moving up from a two out of 10 and or maybe a one out of 10, I was feeling, you know, previous to this, um, you know, I, I think hockey Canada has certainly got its ass kicked uh, publicly by the prime minister, uh, sports journalists, people uh, around the country on a number of different fronts. Um, but I'm not convinced that uh, that butt kicking has resonated uh, in the way that it needed to. Uh, these event, it's going to take a lot of these events. It's going to take a lot of these open dialogues, open conversations uh, to to inform uh, a good process, which is what they need now. Is they need to be start looking at what what does the process look like to reformation in this league and in this organization. Uh, and then from there, then they need to start moving into policy decisions. So they are a long ways away. And one event does not make things right. Um, the problem, as I will always say in the issue with hockey, is the follow up and the accountability. And I, you know, these are the types of events that do a good job of, you know, having, you know, generating conversation from various media people, you and I included. Uh, they get a little bit of good, a uh, little bit of good publicity, and and you know a positive uh, uh, pat on the back, and then all of these things tend to go away. And until I'm uh, more reassured of the uh, the fact that there's going to be ongoing conversations like this, and like I said, that process and that policy uh, is being put in place, I am still going to be incredibly apprehensive of anything that Hockey Canada does. They have lost my trust. I think they've lost the trust of many Canadians who expected better. Um, and, uh, and trust is not something that you easily regain, certainly not through one event. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair. Where are you at? No, I think that's fair. I think that we have watched a lot of um, starts and false starts on this issue. We've had a lot of different um, pieces of this puzzle feel like there was an attempt that never really came to any thing. I mean, we're still sitting here waiting, what, two years later from the conversations we were having around the first reports about the 2018, um, you know, rape case in in uh, London, Ontario. And we're still waiting for actual um you know, criminal proceedings or actual accountability. Now, there are some rumors that that may be coming very soon, but those are rumors. We've had rumors for years. We've had rumors for months, you know, until Rick Westhead reports anything, I don't really buy into any of the belief of it. There was a sort of a bit of one of those like smoke and fire thing where several of the players from that team all went 
black on social media this weekend, including Carter Hart from the Flyers. So that became a big story for a moment of people being like, oh, is this a indication of these guys are about to be called out? But that didn't happen or at least has not happened yet. So we'll wait and see. But um, I, I, I have hope that at least because there has been some turnover and some changing of leadership, that there is an opportunity for for change to begin. Um, I think the first thing that Hockey Canada had to do, and they did, they just didn't do it very quickly, was to actually clean out some of the people that were in there when bad decisions were actually being made and to get some people who had at least clean hands from those specific incidences to be able to look back and review those those policies, review those, those actual incidents from a position of um, neutrality. Because I think that's very important. You can't expect the people who have perpetrated problems to be the ones to clean them up. Uh, they just won't because there's too much baggage there. Um, but I do think that what gives me a little bit of optimism about this specific one is actually something that Sheldon Kennedy said. Now, Sheldon Kennedy, for those who don't know, is obviously a former NHL player, a sexual abuse survivor, and an advocate now has been an advocate for almost 27 years about child abuse education and prevention. So a very um, reputable and important voice in many of these conversations has been one of those people that the media and others have turned to whenever these stories come up because he's a very well-educated and, and obviously from his own personal experience, a very, um, important voice in this community and in the, in this, you know, it's him and it's Theron Fleury. And obviously Theron Fleury comes with his own baggage. So he's kind of dissipated from being the person they go to. Sheldon Kennedy is a much more um, tempered voice. Let's put it that way. But he came in as one of the speakers at this summit. Uh, and his quote um, was, we're not winning gold medals off the ice in this space yet. Um, we need to learn from others. We need to deliver. And that's the number one and most important thing. He also said, and this is not a specific quote, I'm, I'm sort of ad-libbing here, but he, he, he also said, uh, all these organizations under the hockey umbrella, they have to communicate and they have to work together in a better way. Um, the analogy he gave was, imagine you have a team of forwards, defensemen, and goaltenders, as well as coaches, all staying in different hotels and then all plotting their own strategies and trying to win a road game. It doesn't work. All of those different groups have to come together in one place and actually develop strategies together. And I think that's what he's trying to point out is you have all these different organizations who have been working for years uh, in different ways. Some of them to completely avoid the issue, uh, some of them to kind of, uh, you know, try to make incremental changes. But if they're not all on the same page, if there isn't one cohesive strategy across elite hockey uh, from the NHL down to minor hockey, down to the, you know, hockey Canada program and, 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 Hockey USA and the IAHF, if all those organizations don't have a vested interest in this changing, it won't. And that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. If this is step one to at least getting them all around the same table, I think that's positive. I think that's important. Do I think that one summit solves the problem? No. Do I think they're going to walk out of this, this summit with like a policy handbook that's just going to cure the problem? No. But it's the beginning of how do we talk about these things? How do we address these things? How do we deal with and keep the lines of communication open about these things when they occur, as opposed to the old model, which was silo, 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 silo. And I think that that is, for me, a good first step. Yeah, I think that's really well articulated, Jordan. I mean, I think it's incumbent on you and I and Braden and, and others in the media, Rick Westhead, who, you know, I'm not going to tell him what to do. That guy's amazing. Um, but others in, in, in media and, and who follow these sorts of things to 
to maintain on top of the story and to ensure that accountability and that follow through exists. Um, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, um, uh, that's the only thing that's going to keep this organization on track. But there are a lot of eyes watching it right now. And, and um, you know, my hope is that at least that stays the same. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, no, no formal uh, outcomes uh, resulted in this uh, summary is what Hockey Canada basically said. They didn't come out with some kind of series of you know, strategies to actually tackle anything specific. This was sort of an initiation conversation, but they intend to continue to have these and and to schedule them in a more regular um, fashion and that all parties uh, involved seemed to agree on that. At least I'll, I'll give you one more Henderson quote. Again, the CEO of Hockey Canada uh, uh, quoting, I'm not sure I can give you a journey map or a project plan right now. We have to take the time to ingest what we've heard, the journey is towards much better hockey that gives all Canadians who want a hockey experience a positive hockey experience. If there are people that want to go along on that journey, please come along. We want you here. And if there are people that that is that that, that this is not their ultimate goal, we don't want them on the journey. If that is not what you want from, from hockey, we don't want them. End quote. So that's where she's at with it, which I think is at least a much different tone than what we were getting from the previous uh, regime at Hockey Canada and certainly uh, uh, an important step forward. Let's leave it there. That's topic Football fans, the Ordinary Podcasting Network is very excited to welcome back for its second season, Running Down the Clock, presented by Puya Ricey and Tyler Walzak. These two football fans will sit down with you every Thursday of the NFL schedule to talk football. You can subscribe to Running Down the Clock anywhere you get your podcast. All right, well, that just leaves me here with topic three. I thought we'd finish with a little bit of fun. This was a game we played for the first time this year. It's basically two truths and a lie, but we called it What's in a Name. Uh, Elliot and Braden had to decide which of the three minor sports team names that I gave them in each round was real, and which one, or which two were real, and which one obviously was made up. And we had a lot of fun because there are some wacky and wild names out there in the world of sports. Here it is, topic three. We're going to play a game. Elliot always loves it when we play games. So because we've been off for this uh, extended window, I thought we should play a game. But this is a new game. It's a brand new game we're introducing. It's like the, the old classic drinking game, True Truths and a Lie. So it's very simple. I'm going to give you each a turn. I'm going to name three sports teams. You are going to tell me <laughs> which one of these three is not the real name of an actual sports team because oh, there are goody. some ridiculous names out there for some sports teams. We've got oh, three different wait. categories today. Um, we, we have a minor league baseball category. We have a minor oh, league hockey, hockey category, <laughs> and then we have a college sports category. All right. So because uh, Elliot, you are our um, resident uh, favorite game playing member of the no, panel. I'm not. I hate this. Yeah, so you will you get to go first, okay? Elliot, let me ask you a quick question. Are you ready for it? Yes. This is dumb. I'm gonna lose. Okay, here here they are. So I'm going to read you the three names, and then you can work through for yourself which of these three names is not a real minor league baseball team. Are you ready? 
Yeah. Okay. We have the Rocket City Trash Pandas. Mm. We have the St. Paul Pit Spitters. And we have the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Okay, can you read the first one again? You cut off. The Rocket City Trash Pandas. Why didn't they call them Rocket City Raccoons? That's that's real. That's real. I know that one to be real. Yeah, you follow that team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, how are they doing this year? (laughs) Really struggling. Haven't won more than three games in a row. Okay, so the Rocket City Trash Pandas, Elliot believes to be real. The other two, again, are the St. Paul Pit Spitters and Mm -hmm. the Amarillo Sod Poodles. So what the hell is a pit spitter? What is the it hell a- is a sod poodle? A pit I'm spitter? Think- pit spitter is like, uh, like you eat a peach and you spit out the pit. Or uh, yeah, no, okay, okay, okay. And then the second was the armorillo. The amarillo sod poodles. I'm gonna <laughs> go. I'm gonna go with the sod poodles being real because it's just ridiculous enough. I'll say the pit spitters are the fake one. You are correct, Elliot. Well done. So here's the thing. I took two real things and put them together for the fake one. There is Mm. a team called the Pit Spitters. They're just not from St. Paul. Um, So the the St. Paul Pit Spitters is not a real team, but the I just thought Pit Spitters was so funny. There is apparently a real minor league sport. I don't know. Uh, But the Pit Spitters was was the name of a real minor league baseball team. The Amarillo Sod Poodles are real. And apparently a Sod Poodle is a nickname for a gopher. Well, you know, the Edmonton Riverhawks are going by the Edmonton Talus Balls this year. Only home games. Every couple games, yes. No, every every single No, that is not true, Braden. You are spreading disinformation. No, it is not. It's like every Friday night they do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Every single game I go to. (laughs) Okay, are you ready, Braden? Oh, I can't wait. I love all these. Are you? You you get minor league hockey. All right, all right. Okay, here's what we have for you. Are you ready? Yes. We have the Plymouth Ice Hounds. We have yeah, the okay. Orlando Solar Bears. Yeah. And we real. have the Shiverport Mudbugs. Okay. Well, Shiverport's not a real place. So, <laughs> what? The Mudbugs? The Shiverport Mudbugs. Shiverport Mudbugs. Shiver, not shitter. Shiverport. Shiverport Mudbugs. And the what was Shiverport, the... Shiverport Mudbugs, the Orlando <laughs> Solar Bears. And the Plymouth Ice Hounds. Okay, well, let's go with the my, let's go with the I. Oh God, I want them all to be real. Okay, I'll go with the mud bugs because that's just ridiculous. The but if that's real, I want a jersey. Mud bugs are real. <laughs> they are real. Their logo is a crawfish. <laughs> mud bug. That's a mud bug. Apparently. Uh, the Plymouth Ice Hounds. I just made up. Uh, that one was the one that sounded the most real. I know. I'm good at this. All right. Are you ready? This is going to, you're going to have to work this through together. Okay. Okay. So last category. These are all college. Uh, Div one, I should mention college uh, athletics departments, not necessarily football or hockey. Like certain programs might be better at certain sports, basketball, whatever. But these are. The three of them. Are you ready? Okay. We have the Kent State Golden Flashes, the St. Mary's Maniacs, 
and the Presbyterian Blue Hose. Blue Hose from the Presbyterians. You're telling me the blue the Presbyterians call it, their team name is the Blue Hose. The yes. blue hose? How is how is hose spelled? Is it like pantyhose? <laughs> how is how is H O S E hose? It's just a hose. Blue it's just hose. A, it's just I, a thought, hose. Uh, I thought that was something completely different. <laughs> God. Where are they from? Uh, give me one more time. Yeah, what's the origin? Okay, we have the Kent State Golden Flashes, the St. Mary's Maniacs, and the Presbyterian Blue Hose. I feel like Kent State is something. Kent State, because I think yeah. Kent State. It, wait, this isn't even mine. Good luck, buddy. No, no, no. This is both of you working out together. together. This is the last oh, this, category. I'm pretty I think sure Kent, Kent State, State has a different team name. That's what I was thinking too. That's why yeah. I was going to go with Kent State. Yeah. What's the second one again? The uh, Kent State, The Saint Mary's Maniacs. Saint Mary's. Saint Mary's Maniacs. Yeah, that's yeah. That's probably yeah. That checks. That's well, hold on a second. Saint. That's a Catholic school. Called the Maniacs. Well, and you've also got the Presbyterian Blue Hose, so I wouldn't be putting too much weight on that. So none of them are real. Uh, no, one of them is not real. Two of them. I think are we should go with Kent State. Real. Yeah, I I, let's go with Kent State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kent ding, State ding, is a hundred percent real. Oh, no, man. the Kent State Golden Flashes. Golden Flashers. Flashes. Oh. Goodness gracious. Okay, let's Presbyterian this thing down blue now. hose. Not 100% real. What the heck? I made up St. Mary's Maniacs. Yeah, see, that, that, that didn't check The Presbyterian out. blue hose you know, has to be one of the strangest names of anything I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I just want to know what, what type of hose are we referring to? Like garden hose or panty hose? Well, or what's the logo? I, I don't know. I just have the name in front of me. You'll have to Google hose. it at home. Just and be careful how you spell it. The... <laughs> I'll give you oh, a close runner-up. This almost made the list, but I took it off once I found the Kent State Golden Flashes because I knew it would trick you. I was going to go with the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Oh, wow. Blue Hens. All right. So that is our new Wait, game is that called... It? Yeah, that's oh it. That's man, there's so many good ones. Like I know. The Santa Wait, hey, Bradon, Bradon, we have another game. What about the we, Carolina we play this game again? Turkeys or whatever. I like this game more than other games. Okay, we can play this game again. That's not a high. It stand. needs a name. Maybe yeah, we'll throw that yeah. out to our listeners. Yeah, Help us maybe, name uh, this game. It can't just be two truths and a lie. It's got to well, be. Well, you kept else. saying, "Are you ready for it?" Which is another Taylor Swift uh, song. <laughs> very good. Very good. All right, there you have it. That is the best of 2023. We want to thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate all of the support we've gotten throughout the years. This is year three of this show. We've done over 100 episodes. We celebrated our 100th episode back in the spring. We are hopeful that 2024 will bring us more great conversations, more great uh, podcast episodes for you, the listeners. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, please subscribe. If you'd like to learn more about this show or any of the shows across the Ordinary Podcasting Network, please visit our website, www.ordinarypodcasts.com. Uh, there's lots more shows. They're all coming out this week. We've got a brand new episode of the Ellipses Thinking Podcast to start off the new year for you. That'll be out on Friday. And obviously Tyler and Puya every week of the regular season of the NFL schedule have running down the clock on Thursday. So check that out wherever you get your podcast. The Mother Pucker podcast will return in the new year for more Oilers centric content. Riz and Reese will be uh, bringing you all of that. So lots to look forward to in the new year. We hope that you and your family enjoy the holidays and we will talk to you soon.
That was Hattrick. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.